I'm Mary Edwards, and this is Notes Between Sessions, stories and conversations that explore the nuances of time, the essence of the creative process, and anything else in between. Episode 6, Black House, Black Joy, Jamara Michelle Wakefield. In the mid-1980s, as R&B was shaking off the disparaging racist and homophobic slights on its subgenre disco, it opened itself up to a lesser orchestrated palette of house music, where rhythm prevailed and the space was reverberant as a new clearing to hear the lead-footed bass lines contrasting the crisp wailing of gospel-inflected voices in the techno forests, cultivated by producer DJs like Larry Levan and Frankie Knuckles. House, as it was simply called, leaving off its obvious modifier, took root in the underground, from its origins of Chicago to hotspots around the globe. My first full experience was at 18, in New York, at the Paradise Garage, compliments of my brother Jonathan, who was a card-carrying member of this exclusive dance club that didn't get its action going until close to midnight. This was an all-night alcohol-free experience that culminated around 7, maybe 8 a.m. Throughout the early morning hours, the staff came around to refresh a spread of fresh fruit and juices to replenish the patrons. When one needed to rest, there was a giant backlit plexiglass staircase to nowhere, an architectural monolith of a feature that provided seating in the way one sought retreat between summertime street games on the exclusive grandeur of an anonymous brownstone stoop. I would climb to its apex, the flat landing that afforded the eagle's panoramic perspective of a pulsating mass of mostly sweaty men and a few women who were in fellowship to this music that took its cue from the Chicago circuit and was quickly becoming its own definition across the Hudson in the city of Newark. Wherever you are in the world, North America, South Africa, Germany, or the UK, and that's just to name a few places, house music holds a shared undercurrent, a driving continuity that functions to give each house music scene that has its own unique characteristic, often a reflection of the spirit of the city or area from which it is born. Jamara Michelle Wakefield is a black queer writer and creative whose performance work is cross-genre, combining music, poetry, theater, and improvisation to create public performance. Going outside of herself and responding to her community in Newark and its surroundings, Jamara has spearheaded a filmic effort in restoring the history of the New Jersey house music scene. She's part of what I dubbed the Fantastic Four, a team of media makers which includes Momo TV, Dan Shiver, and Kano El Nene to bring us what will be an important document for our times. Black House, Black Joy. The story behind the making of the film, Black House, Black Joy, is the soundtrack of my life. The New Jersey House Music Documentary Film Project is the convergence of my love for dance and music and Black people and community. And people often ask how the project started. 
To date, I've given an origin story that begins with DJ Rock Anthony taking me to a house music party at a lodge near East Orange, New Jersey. And that night, we danced and we danced and we danced. And I felt chambers of my heart opening up and my feet were set free and I knew I had found my people. I'm a journalist. I began pitching articles on blackness, house music in New Jersey, to magazines and was met with white editors resistance to how black life should be portrayed in editorial print. This series of professional heartbreaks led me to the decision to make a film. Yet for me, my earliest memories of the film before it was a film, when it was only a feeling, were in my apartment. My house was empty. I had almost no furniture. I had eight smoke detectors, all of which needed batteries. It felt like a rainforest, constantly chirping and beeping. I didn't change the batteries on purpose. I needed the sonic chaos. I was afraid of the silence. The days when my kid was with my co-parent, that apartment felt isolating and cold and wet. I was scared to be alone with myself. There were seasons in my life when I was always moving, packing up, saying goodbye, crying hello, on the run, displaced, going, going, going. I prided myself on never staying still. And I got used to the sounds of the ephemeral. I grew accustomed to floating and I could not envision a life in one place. And in this apartment, I finally had the luxury of pausing, planting my feet in one spot. And after the dust settled in my mind, I found myself asking the universe, now what? Why am I even here? That early questioning flooded me with emotions. In the outside world, I stood so tall as a writer and poet and professor. And when I came home, I felt disconnected from myself. I began requesting help from the ancestors and I demanded an answer from God because I did not want to dive into a darkness that I knew would consume me. I began a process of life visioning taught to me by one of my mentors. Daily, I asked these questions and I waited for the answers in the silence. What is the universe trying to emerge through my life? What gifts do I have to give to the world? What habits do I need to change to become the person I am being called to become? The prologue of the film is my search for joy. It is my search to access my deepest desires. My quest is to find power in myself. The type of energy that provides a calm sense of knowing. Like when you walk in the room and your strut speaks for you. See, I want to be connected to my body because that life force allows me to create art endlessly. Love and make love honestly. Feed others and be fed reciprocally. 
I need joy because it replenishes me even in the face of racism and patriarchy and capitalism and all the structures we call normal that are not normal because they deny us of our humanity. This is where the film came from. Joy is a resistant strategy. Joy is evidence of life within us. Joy is the house we live in that protects us from the violence of this world. House music as a lifeline that brings people together. This is where the film came from. And this is what the film is doing in the world. See, I believe in another world, and I want to be in that. A world that for now I can only imagine when I listen to Sun Ra, or read Octavia Butler, or when I touch myself on Saturday night or braid my hair on Sunday morning and rub coconut oil on my skin and call myself a queen to combat all the times I am called an other in the office or in the classroom or on the train riding home. And despite all that, I still believe in this world. And I plan to stay a believer like Curtis Mayfield because I understand that even cage birds sing and that human bodies know they are human and that flowers blossom without permission. And this is how I believe we should live. And this belief is where the film Black House, Black Joy was born. Welcome, Jamara Michelle Wakefield. Hey. Hey. hey Jamara, house music is congregation in its purest sense. As I've experienced different types of house music from around the country and around the world, Jersey house feels closer to the gospel tradition. It feels, of all the house music, some of the most religious in that sense of gathering. So, I mean, I think that's accurate. I mean, I know that I'm in the middle of, uh, or the tail end of making a film, but what I really feel like I'm making or curating, I think is more accurate, is, you know, the celebration of, of bringing people together. You know, Jersey House already congregates around house music. They've been doing it for, you know, over 40, probably over 50 years. Um, and then my role in it, in terms of the film, is, is thinking about, you know, these kind of call and response oral traditions and how do we, how do we honor them, you know, um, and uh, honor them in a way that, that, that feels good, that feels reflective of that community. So yeah, it's definitely a congregation. It's a whole church. That's facts. And that's what it feels like. My own yeah. experience with house music has been primarily in, in New York City, but I was well aware of this magical place called Club Zanzibar, where in the early 1980s, around the same time that I was getting into the house scene over here, by way of my brother, who's a little bit older, and that's how I got access to the clubs. Um, I'd always hear the advertisements, I'd always hear about uh, these artists, and I think some of them were able to break through out of the Jersey scene, step into Paradise Garage, but their home, their home church, if you will, was in Jersey, particularly in Newark. And that's where you're, that's where you're pretty much centered now, right? 
Yeah, uh, in terms of, of the film, the film definitely starts and starts with Newark and ends with Newark. It, you know, that's where Zanzibar was. You know, um, Newark also just has a, a really long history of kind of these underground spots, cricket club, and um, all these local spots that people go to. It's also uh, the home of some of the biggest festivals, the Weekweek Park Festival, House Festival, um, uh, the Riverfront Festival, a whole bunch of them. So, you know, I mean, Newark is, you know, is the urban center. Um, it has a long history of, of black people arriving, you know, you know, post, you know, post and during the Great Migration. You know, it's a chocolate city. I think it's, it's almost 50 if not 60% um, African-American or black. So, you know, Newark at the center is definitely the nucleus. Um, and, and the house community in Newark definitely made possible the, the house community events and festivals, you know, in the in the bordering towns, Irvington, Union, Linden, um, you know, even all the way down to Trenton. You know, it, it definitely grew out of, out of Newark. Yeah, that's true. And these spaces have been essentially by us, for us, out of the need that it's so rich. Um, again, rich in a certain tradition and really felt and understood. Yeah, I mean, black people know what black people need, you know. Um, we know how to make spaces where we feel comfortable, where we laugh, where we dance. You know, we, we, we create spaces um with the music that we like, and we have inside jokes, you know, it, you know, black people will find a way to, mm-hmm. to, to have what they need. Um, you know, the, the, you know, the problem is that when other people try to narrate what black people need, it gets messy because, um, I, I think in, in my opinion, experience working with this film, um, and being a writer and a person who, you know, digests media, you know, um, you know, liberal, conservative, and moderate media just does not understand black people the way black people understand black people, <laughs> you know? So it, it kind of had to be forced by us, you know, it, 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 in that how else could it continue and sustain itself if if black people weren't curating it, if that makes sense. Like, no one else can do it. <clears throat> The team that you're working with, uh, they see, they all seem pretty dynamic. You always re- kind of remind me of uh, the Fantastic Four, and that everybody has a, a really strong suit in helping to bring this together. And is it in fact four people? Or has it grown? Did you bring other people on board? You know, most of the time I forget that I'm making a film. Uh, it feels certainly more like um, I'm composing a composing a crew. I'm bringing together people who are um, passionate and determined and excited about house in Jersey and and black folks, you know. And so, um, yeah, it's a beautiful team. I feel so thankful um, to be at the center of it. Uh, there are four filmmakers: uh, myself, Dan, Kano and uh, Ramona, who's on a, sh- a morning show called Nemo TV. And then, of course, there is our consulting producer, uh, Tanisha Christie, and our editor, uh, Simone Arano, and our production assistant, Nakia Taylor. And then, of course, you know, there, there's a handful of people who help with data and administration and kind of one-off support here and there. So, you know, the film really is uh, grassroots and community-organized. Every everything is being touched uh, and really made by black people. Um, all the leadership is, is black women. 
and um, you know, the queer folks certainly are represented in that in that uh, web as well. So, I'm getting the impression that for each interview you conduct, allowing everybody to have their individual voice about why they're drawn to the tradition, why they're drawn to the culture. It elevates it. It gives the importance. It, it really breaks the story right open about the need. Yeah, no, I think it does. You know, early on, I set values for myself and kind of ethics to, to work and live by um, in terms of how I wanted to how I wanted the project to flow, um, what I wanted the content to look and feel like, and how I wanted to engage with people in interviews, you know. And, you know, early on I struggled, but thinking, you know, you know, I'm, I'm only a, a recent transplant to, to Jersey, and uh, we're, we're doing just fine here, and uh, we're very happy. Um, but, you know, I, was, I wasn't sure if I could do this work, um, and then what I found is that as I engaged with the house community, as I became a part of the house community, because trust and believe, I, I was, you know, I'm at the festivals too. I'm at the parties. I'm watching the DJ, uh, you know, Facebook lives. I'm enjoying myself dancing at home. Um, you know, the, the blessing of, you know, being new to the community myself is that and sometimes when you don't have a deep history, um, it, it, enables you to cut across kind of family lines and boundaries mm -hmm. you know I, I don't have the, the the historical baggage for me you know i interviewed anyone who was excited about house and, and had some sense of history and wanted to contribute and so you know i you know i'm able to be kind of diplomatic and a neutral party and a, and a, a deep listener which i think is critical um, in terms of interviewing people and honoring them so, yeah, 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 all of that, and um, uh, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for where I sit in it. Um, I, I can't. I couldn't be more thankful. Are there any festivals that tend to have the largest draw, the most robust draw, like you know, Wee Quick Park or Lincoln Park? Uh, are they sort of equal opportunity draws for the househeads? I mean, are you asking me what's my favorite? Because well, that too, but but from observation, from just sort of attending and observing from a documentary, a documentarian point of view, uh, is there one festival that seems more robust than the other? Um, are they sort of equal in in attendance, in the draw? So, yeah, so I, I think Lincoln Park is probably the biggest one. You know, I think it, it, the biggest one in Newark, I think it draws the largest crowd. Um, it's also in a more condensed area. So, you know, uh, filling a small space with lots of people certainly creates a different um, uh, aesthetic, you'll say, mm -hmm. <laughs> in terms of attendance. But, you know, Weekway Park uh, has such a long history. Um, this, uh, this neighborhood, and this is where I live, um, has long history and, you know, that that festival really came out of people coming together and struggling a little bit to figure out how to do it and how to, because a festival isn't just a festival. It's, you know, it's coordination with the community, with politicians, with, um, you know, boards and councils and permits and raising money, you know, so I, I think that that team, that initial team really brought a lot of resources and energy and commitment to making it happen. 
And I think if Weequake didn't exist, uh, you know, I think it is part of the ripple effect, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, you know, Roselle, uh, Roselle Park has a, a beautiful three-day festival um, where two days that are dedicated to house music. I mean, it's there's nothing like it. It's 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 just absolutely glorious. Mm. Um, people and their tents and their food and the food trucks and kids dancing and playing. I mean, it's it goes it starts early. You know, you get there early because if you don't, you're not getting a space. You know, it, it goes late. You know, you're dancing until you know nine, ten, uh, maybe eleven o'clock. It, you know, it's yeah, it's like a, you know, it's, it's like, like a like, continuous flow. Yeah, it's like it's like Woodstock. I mean, yeah, people yeah. camp out. It, it's it, you know, it's it's black Burning Man or something. It's it's uh, it's incredible. You know, in the um, fabled or I wouldn't say fable because it's very real, but because it doesn't exist anymore, it's how we remember things. And my memory of the Paradise Garage was this consolidated version of what you describe in that you attended very late. Like, you know, if you went at nine o'clock, I remember I used to, you know, try to, you know, nudge my brother who was a regular, he actually had a Paradise Garage card. Um, That's how regular he was. And I would nudge him like, oh, let's go now. It'd be nine o'clock at night. He's like, no, honey, you don't go to these things at nine o'clock at night. They didn't get started. You know, and I was in high school. So I, you know, yes, I was up, but I was not quite attuned to how, you know, the rhythm and the timing of when to show up at these places. So this was my, my initiation, if you will. And, and to go to these places where things really just got started about like 11, like even 1130 was pushing it. So like midnight, people would start to show up and and it went into the morning so in order to really enjoy the full experience it was it was an overnight it's like it was like a sleepover party where nobody slept and it was I'll say virtually substance free because they didn't serve alcohol it's not to say that nothing was going on but they didn't serve alcohol but in the morning it was like they as the as the sun rose and you didn't even know the sun was rising because you were still in there dancing at you know six seven a.m. They'd have these plates of fresh fruit and and lots of fruit juice, these things to rejuvenate you, so that you could get right back out on the floor and dance. And these DJs were just extraordinary in in how they created this continuity for you to be on your feet all through the night. So it sounds like the Roselle House Music Festival was very similar in that, but it was three days longer. Yeah, so I mean, in Jersey, there there are a couple. There's a, a couple of different things happening. So there are the underground clubs, and then there are the bar, kind of bar-based events. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a bar. People are having dinner, but there's also, um, you know, that bar is hosting a house event. You know, where there's local promoters organizing it, and you're paying a fee. And then there are the festivals, uh, which are the out, you know the outdoor festivals which run essentially from May all the way through October. And, um, you know, the thing, and there's certainly that history of people sleeping over at the clubs that happened, you know, and then, you know, if you go back in time, there's a, the history of, of queer kids, you know, mm-hmm. sleeping over because in, in many respects, many did not have places to go home to, you know, um, queer kids, poor kids, you know, a whole gamut. Um, so the interesting thing about Jersey, though, 
is that really the community is divided into these roles. So, you know, there's generally, they're the dancers, they're the DJs, they're the promoters, they're the people who just come and sit in their tents and don't really dance, but just, you know, those are the, the it's called tent city, mm-hmm. you know, the tent city goers. And, um, and there's probably a few more kind of niche kind of subcategories of folks. But dancers show up at the very beginning. That that was the really interesting I found out when I was filming. So event, an event would be scheduled to start at 11, um, you know, and run until 9 or 10. Uh, dancers are so committed. They show up at 11, and they're, you know, down there on the, the wood dance floor or whatever the dance floor is made of at, at that particular festival, waiting for the DJ to turn the music on. And, and I've seen people dance straight through. Um, and so it's, it's really interesting, the dancers' commitment to... To, the, to holding the space and, um, and to movement because it really is a marathon um, and, and they're there the whole time you know there's a core crew of dancers who always show up at the beginning and always leave at the end so they're, they're, they would be called like the regular the regular house heads right as opposed to people who kind of popped in popped out and this wasn't a regular thing for them yeah I mean they're definitely they're the committed the committed dancers mm-hmm. meaning they they've cleared their whole calendar <laughs> you know there's nowhere else they need to be um, their phones are charged their their families know where they're at and they know that they're going to be dancing at that particular festival um, all day all day you know it's it's really life it, you know it, that's that's such a big commitment um, so yeah yeah it's beautiful. So this is like a chicken and egg question. Your draw to the house community, was it initially out of what you saw as a need to document because it wasn't, you know, I'm sure it was documented here and there around the world, but the Jersey scene was not so much documented. Um, Or was it because you were drawn, you wanted to, was it like dance first, document later? Or was it sort of a, a holistic approach to being in the community and just seeing and feeling and recognizing? Well, I consider myself a dancer uh, uh, in my uh, kind of my younger clubbing days. Um, I was definitely the person who would show up at nine o'clock, you know, when the club opened, uh, in part because it was generally free, um, you know, free for 11 or free for 410. Mm -hmm. Or free for women sometimes. Yeah, 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 that too. Um, but, you know, when I, when I lived in Boston, I would go to the clubs on Lansdowne Street, um, many of which aren't there anymore. And I would be I would be right there at the door. And I would dance my little heart out um, all by myself, just me and, you know, the two bartenders staring at me. Um, because I, I just love to dance and I love to move and to, to, to be in my body that way. So, you know, I, I mean, my first Jersey also, man, I really was just going to chill and have fun. I, I wasn't really thinking about process at that time. Um, that that kind of came later out of uh, talking to people and my own frustrations and then trying to figure out, okay, what does it mean to make a film when you've never made one before? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so. You know, it feels like there's a lot of layers to this because it's that, again, that personal need, right, to... You see something, say something. You want to document this, you know. Look, let's 
let's cut a place into history where it belongs and, and fit that piece in because it's been there the whole time. It's been there for decades, right? Then there's the, um, you know, the, the real like personal thing about house music. I think music in general, but house music seems to have this way of bringing together people who have determined singular allegiances, but then when everyone's in the same room, there's a more collective mission and then it transcends from the personal to the spiritual to the community. I mean, I, I like to think so. You know, I mean, uh, we've been kind of, you know, I, I've been talking to people about the film and, and, you know, people always, you know, ask me, well, you know, what's it about? What's the thesis? Um, which is kind of a frustrating question for me anyway. Um, but, you know, I really do think that the, the one part of the thesis is, you know, um, that we take care of ourselves, right? Like, we mm -hmm. take care of each other. Um, you know, house music events generally are, you know, are very safe. Um, there are no issues. If there are issues that shut down very quickly, you know, it feels more like a family reunion, a high school reunion. It feels like you're hanging with the people who care about you. Yes. They want you home safe you know um so that there's that part that we take care of each other we take care of ourselves and then you know jersey specific i think i really do believe that uh the new jersey house music community um has saved the lives of the people who participate in it yes i i i believe that and i know that from the stories and that i've heard and, and filmed you know but this space is so unique and when people didn't have anywhere else to go you know and when people were searching to find themselves and when the state you know you know has people locked into poverty and and all sorts of things um you know house was there for them and and you could go to house and you could be a star you could be a dancer you could be a friend right you, you could be loved um, by people who don't even know your last name, but they just remember you dancing, you know. Um, you, you have one DJ who is blind, right? In house, you can be a blind DJ. Right. right? <laughs> like, in, in the house, you can be queer. In the house, you can be um, very black. You can be athletic. You can be dainty. You can, you know, you can be performative. You can be whatever it is that... Um, is, is accurate and truthful and honest for you within house that, and, and the room is love there so that's one of the most gorgeous visuals about seeing house music footage is all these beautiful and diverse bodies mm -hmm. that it's not um, a place where everyone has to conform to a certain physique or a certain ability and it doesn't, and it's such a welcoming space, people of multiple abilities being in one space. Because right. there's somebody out there with, you know, perhaps one leg who's dancing better than somebody with two legs, but it's not a competition. It's, it's a space for whoever you are, however you need to be, to express collectively. One of the poetic takeaways from this film is that you are in tandem writing a book and that's where this prologue comes from and it is so deeply personal so 
Uh, let's talk a little bit about how that's formulating out of sure. the film. It's another important document. Hmm. Well, you know, I mean, I, I identify it as a writer, and I work as a writer. And, uh, you know, on a practical level, um, you know, I've managed lots of projects, including my own, you know, and this is the most intense, most complicated, most web-like, most resumatic project I've ever taken on. Um, and I know that it is... It is destined to happen because it is so much bigger than me, <laughs> and it, it requires that I use all of my kind of mind and heart and resources and, um, and I ask for help. You know, it requires uh, 100, 200, 1,000 percent of me to do, you know. Um, and so, you know, having learned how, how complicated it is to, to make a film, um, you know, in part I felt more confident about my abilities to write, you know. Um, you know, I also, it's so easy. One thing that I learned in interviewing Mary is that many women who are attached or adjacently attached or deeply within the house music community discount their stories as valuable. And I think some of that comes from gender, socialization, you know, where, where women make themselves small. And so, you know, part of part of the book and me writing the book and, and developing it is me saying, look, I'm, I want to do this beautiful thing and lift up and hold light to this community. Um, and yet I recognize that I am also a human, right, who, who needs community, who has voice, who has stories. And it's also important for me to be in the archive, you know, and, and that desire to be in the archive and be counted as an artist who is here on the, you know, on the planet, who made things um, has been a driving force in all of my work, uh, my poetry, my recorded work. You know, I, I don't want to disappear. Like, I, I want someone, you know, in the future, some little black queer girl who's like, wait, you know, like, she existed and I also deserve to exist. So, you know, I, 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 I don't want to be invisible. If that makes sense. If that makes sense. It makes it makes 100% sense. Yeah. Why? I'm so glad you're writing the book. So, Black House, Black Joy. It's about the New Jersey house music community and, and, and the way it saves people's lives. And that is a praise song. Amen. Thank you. And Thank we're you. really looking forward to the film, the book, and the continued tradition of New Jersey house music. Thank you, Jamar. Thank you, Mary. From my house to yours, thank you. Experience more on this episode's guest, Jamar Michelle Wakefield, and the film and the book, Black House, Black Joy, on Facebook and Instagram. Your support is appreciated and helps to keep making this podcast possible. Thank you for listening. And for being here, I'm Mary Edwards, and this is Notes Between Sessions.